Is everybody in? Is everybody in? The podcast is about to begin. Graveyard Grumbler Podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 104 of the Graveyard Grumbler Podcast. I am your host, Tino Romero Jr., a.k.a. The Graveyard Grumbler. Today's episode was one that I couldn't pass up to put on the regular podcast. This kind of episode, I usually try to put it behind the paywall, but I thought this one was going to be a little more interesting and kind of mild-mannered, but I don't know what the sensitivity to other people are, so not many people enjoy a lot of the topics that I enjoy, especially as of late with the whole serial killer infatuation that I've been getting into. So today's episode is a listener discretion is advised. So all you wee little lads out there, all you little kitties, earmuffs, depending on if you're if your parents allow you to listen to this. So today's episode is about serial killer Israel Keys. And who is Israel Keys, may you ask? See, I didn't know who this was again until I was randomly surfing the internet one night. It was about 2 a.m. and I decided to let's Google serial killers. And then Israel Keys came up. And I never heard of this guy. So I started looking into him and trying to figure out what was going on with this guy. And when I read it and I f- received a little bit more information about it, I was thinking to myself, damn, I have to get this on the pod. Mandatory Mando, because I don't know if a lot of people know who this Israel Keys is. So without dragging it on anymore, let's go ahead and get right into it. Who is Israel Keys? Israel Keys was born in Richmond, Utah on January 7th, 1978 to Heidi Keys and John Jeffrey Keys. He was the second of 10 children born to a large family whose parents were Mormon expats from Torrance, California. 10 goddamn kids? How are you going to have 10 goddamn kids and still have enough patience, money, and love to give to everybody else in that family? 10 ki- I thought three kids was a lot. But damn, 10 kids? Boy, I tell you. There, Keys and his siblings were homeschooled and taught Mormon beliefs until 1983. After leaving the Mormon faith, Keys' father moved the family to an obscured plot of land north of Colville, Washington in Stevens County where Israel was when Israel was five years old. You know, when you have 10 kids... A lot of things are going to happen. I mean, a whole laundry list of either you're going to get, there's just not enough love and attention to give to everyone. And someone at some point at a certain age is going to have to step up and start playing an additional parent, an additional authoritative, uh, authoritative figure in order to help wrangle and maintain 10 kids. So I feel sorry for the oldest few, like the first three or four, because they're going to have to step in the role of being kind of like uh, the second mom, second dad, depending on, on their sex, if they're, if they're female or male. So they would, they're going to have to step into that role, which if you actually think about it, anytime a child has to grow up quicker than, the, what, the, than what they're supposed to, it doesn't do well for their mentality. Their, their, their mental health is kind of shot, knowing that they have to step up and play a role that they shouldn't have to play. Think about it. When you're a kid, what, what do you want to do as a kid? You want to play around, run around, well, in their, in their case, you know, go play with rocks and sticks. And I mean, obviously 10 kids, you're not going to have a lot of toys. Whittle, whittle things out of wood. But with this 10 with this ten kid family, they all have to put in and work. That, it just doesn't seem right. And already from the get-go, we can see there are going to be issues that, that's going to arise in this situation, right? Right. Isolated from society, the Keys family lived in a one-room cabin located at Rocky Creek Road where they lived without electricity or running water. In Colville, the family attended services at a church called the Ark, which practiced white supremacist Christian identity ideology. All kinds of bad. How are you going to have... There's 12 people in that family, and you're living in a one-room cabin without electricity or running water then you're also going to force them to attend a white supremacist Christian identity ideology church. 
Come on now. But with a lot of things, now I'm not blaming religion. Hear me out. I'm not blaming religion, religion wholeheartedly. But when you're convinced of the faith, and they use the word of you know the of God, the sky fairy, and they use the word of Jesus, people start believing regardless anything that has to that's pertaining to that subject. And in this case, the whoever's running the church was able to throw in their white supremacist ideology along with God com- combining and marrying those two together to make it seem like this is what the church and the Bible wanted. They wanted a white supremacist nation. They wanted everything to be white. European, just like Jesus. But in reality, we all know Jesus wasn't white. Jesus was from, was from the Middle East. He was from Jerusalem or some, some place like that. Jesus of Nazareth. Come on now. But when you have somebody who's so, I mean, and it's not, again, I'm not blaming anybody. I'm not, I'm not pointing anybody out. I'm not calling anybody out. But when you come from an uneducated household from the very beginning, you start, you start believing people who speak louder are more convincing or more direct and you start following what they believe. And that's why cults are so, a lot of people don't understand how cults happen, but I, I completely understand what cults are. It's, it, think about it. It's just like the church, but to an extreme. Think about that. Just think about that for a second. You, you have these followers that come in every single day, every once a week, twice a week, however many times you join, and they sit there hypnotized, believing every single word that the, that the person at the podium or at the front or on the stage is screaming, hollering, and yelling. Now I'm a different from a cult. From a cult, the same thing. A leader standing in front of a group of people who he has hypnotized and brainwashed and he spews out whatever rhetoric that he wants in order for them to get to follow him, right? Right. It's not much different. It's just to an extreme. Keys later described the Ark as an Amish-like church environment. During this period of attending the Ark, the Keys family befriended the neighboring family of Chevy Kehoe, who was later convicted for a 1996 triple murder. Can you imagine that? You befriend someone and then they end up getting popped for a triple murder? I mean, what's crazy is that you're like, damn, we went over there. We had, we had sponge cake. We had bunt cake. We had coffee. We had coffee. And when we couldn't have tea, we barely had water, but we had a lot of, of uh, pastries because they all baked them from scratch. And then find out, wow. Hey, you remember that couple we used to hang out with? We used to play Scrabble and, uh, and uh, hot cross buns. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they're, uh, what the husband just got booked for triple murder. Damn. That, that's a little kick in the gut. The family attended another church in Colville called the Christian Israel Covenant Church that taught British is whoa. The family attended another church in Colville called the Christian Israel Covenant Church that taught British Israelism as doctrine and miscongenation miscongenation was abominable and deviant that Anglo-Saxons were to rule over the perceived inferior races and that Keys later alleged to have been militia like. So this dude, they, they went ahead and attended this church. So let me, let me after I stumbling and rumbling and, and trying to figure out a word about mis, mis, miscegenation. <laughs> so they, 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 again, a Christian Israel covenant church who preached and, and said that white race, Anglo-Saxons, excuse me, Anglo-Saxons were, to, were over the perceived inferior races and that Keys later alleged to have been militia-like, meaning that they, in, they indoctrinated these people and pretty much told them that to take up arms to fight for the Anglo-Saxon race and to make sure that they are the superior ones and everyone else is below them. Could you imagine as a young child getting fed all this bullshit and, and, them, and then having it interfere with you and in an early age developing what your mindset and what your thought on humanity is going to be for the future? Again, rate and hate-ism, ra- rate. <laughs> racism and hate 
isn't, you're not born with it. You're taught that. When you're a kid, you're as innocent as apple pie on a Sunday morning sitting on the windowsill. But when you're indoctrinated that, when you're fed that shit day in, day out, every single day, it shapes and molds your mind into what you think is the right way because that's what you grew up around. That's what you, that's the only thing you knew. And that's not right. Churches like that, covenants like that, organizations like that need to be dismantled and, dis, and just taken, burned down to the fucking ground. For years, some of the key's children have been forced to sleep in a tent due to their... Chi- oh, my boy, I tell you. For years, some of the Keys children have been forced to sleep in a tent due to their cabin's small size. To survive, the, to survive, the Keys children were made to hunt their food, chop firewood, and work on local farms to support the family. As a hobby, Keys hunted, saying, quote, anything with a heartbeat, and freely admitted to skinning a deer alive to his peers at the church. It's no mistake when I have said time in and time again, time out, time in, over and under every single time that I've done a podcast on a psychotic, a sociopathic serial killer, one of the main symptoms and one of the main warning signs is the enjoyment and ease to hurt animals. And in this case, Keys, Israel Keys, his main job was to hunt. He enjoyed hunting and he admitted skinning a deer alive meaning that he enjoyed the the screaming of the animal, the torture that he inflicted on this live animal. He enjoyed it and openly bragged and talked about it. Now, my listeners, we all know, at least I would hope we know by now, that that is a clear and evident warning sign of this individual needs to get help. However, when the parents have 10 children, it's hard to keep track and mark red flags with all of your children when you have 10 kids. And again, this is back in the 70s, and then they're in an isolated area where they don't want any outside interference, so the chances of this guy to ever, ever receive any sort of mental health treatment was was zero. He didn't even go to school. He was homeschooled. So that, that kind of behavior was natural. It was fine. It's just what boys do. But it's not. If you know someone who is hurting animals, and they openly admit to it and they tell you that they enjoy hurting animals and or they talk about it like it's no big deal, like there's zero remorse, you need to get them help immediately. And just as a side note, we just, uh, make sure you call your local health hotline. Health hotline. I'll have uh, America's help hotline here in the show notes later on after I get done with the show. But please, it's better to talk to somebody than nobody. And if you, even if you don't think you need help, just ask somebody to see if, there's something that you can help out with that they can help you out with. Even just talking to someone can steer you maybe in a better track or a better direction. So please, if you feel like you need help or you know someone that needs help, please reach out and get help for that individual. Let's continue. As a result, Keyes was ostracized and actively avoided by various youth who attended the Christian Israel Covenant Church with one girl recounting that Keyes' presence made my skin crawl. Okay, now that's another that's another red flag. When there's children, his peers actively avoiding him. And one girl saying, quote, he made my skin crawl. Those are bright red flags blowing in hurricane force winds. That behavior, that kind of thing should have been addressed immediately. When a kid gets bullied, 
And then top that off with him enjoying hurting animals. This is, this is a recipe. This is classic recipe for disaster. This right here, this right here though, this right here, yo, this is as clear as textbook symptoms as, as, for a sociopathic serial killer in the making as it, it can ever be. This is literally what you will learn in Sociopath Behavior 101. Brian, I know you're listening. Correct me if I'm wrong. And if you are, please let me know and we'll, 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 uh, I'll, I'll correct myself on, on the next episode or I'll make a special episode correcting myself. But what this guy is, is experiencing or what this guy is showing his signs and symptoms, this is literally classic signs of sociopathic behavior. And of course, being in a rural community and being separated from reality and from the rest of the world, so to speak, the family never picked up on the signs. Everyone else just seemed, oh, that's the, that's the weird kid. When they never put more than that into it, not realizing that, whoa, this weird kid, there's something seriously wrong with him. And plus, he had nine siblings. Yeah, there's going to be something wrong with him. He has nine siblings. As a youth, Keys admitted to shooting at neighbors' houses with his BB gun, starting fires in the woods, and breaking into houses for fun. He also, he also occasionally broke into houses with another youth who, subsequent, who subsequently avoided him after witnessing Keys shoot an animal. So we have breaking and entering. We have st- committing crimes for the joy of it. Then his, his partner in crime, his best crime partner said, yo, you're shooting animals. I can't get down with that, man. Again, right then and there, that's when help should have been brought in. But when you live in a, a hateful rural community, help is never going to be sought out ever. And, you know, and even present day, 2022, here in Texas, I live in, I live in Texas. There are rural communities, as we speak, who are just riddled with hate and racism. But the only thing that we can do is avoid those areas. We're we're specifically told, if you're a POC, if you're a person of color, do not go to these certain areas. It's not going to be good for you. Do we disband them? No, you can't. You can't eliminate an entire town based off of that. But that that cycle is never going to be broken, and nobody knows any different. If If people started showing compassion in that, in, the, in that community, then the person showing compassion would be looked at as the weird person, as not part of their community. And of course, retaliation and bullying would, would occur. But for, I mean, and this is what, this is a clear classic sign. This guy, this kid is clearly showing sociopathic behavior. He's on his way to being exactly what he ended up being, was a serial killer. But nobody noticed it because they're in a rural, hateful, isolated area. On one occasion, Key stole several guns from his neighbor's residence and was forced to apologize by his parents after this, their discovery of the cachet. On occasion, Keys, who stood six foot two inches tall by age 14, would also sell stolen guns to local adults. You have a 14-year-old who's six foot two inches. He already looks like adults. So, of course, they're going to feel comfortable from someone who's that tall and already looks like an adult. Doesn't make any sense to me, but, you know, that's, that's the shit that happens. Around this time, Key's parents provided shelter to personal friends in the presence of their son and daughter and Key's sister. Key's tied a cat toy tree with a parachute cord and gored it with a 22 revolver. Again, the cycle and the consistency of hurting animals is a bright, red, alarming, noise-making flag that's saying, yo, there's something wrong with me. Please help me. Help me, please. But because of the area that they're in, nine other kids 
They just didn't catch the signs. The cat then began circling the tree before crashing into it and vomiting. Keyes allegedly chuckled before noting that the boy, who later informed his father, had vomited in response to the incident. When there's a killing of something so gruesome where an adult vomits just at the, at the, sound, at the, at the story or at receiving the information of this, of this kid hurting an animal, again, we need to start acting as a community, as concerned friends, even people on the outside who are witnessing this type of behavior to reach out and get these individuals help. They know it's wrong. He, he, the, Israel Keys did it. The other people did, but they did nothing about it. Keys had an epiphany in which he felt that he was different from his peers who ran away from him. Upon this realization, he kept his increasingly antisocial behavior to, behavior to himself withdrawing socially due to being ostracized. Again, more antisocial behavior. Avoidance. Staying alone. Only enjoying time alone with himself. Again, these are textbook signs of sociopathic behavior. Look, I'm going to keep repeating this because I want this to stick out in your head to, to, just in case you witness this type of stuff or know someone who's going through this where you can identify the signs or kind of raise an eyebrow like, yo, I heard this on the Graveyard Grumbler podcast. He kept pounding it in my head that this type of behavior is not right. Let me make a side note, though. Antisocial behavior and not wanting to socialize is also a clear symptom and sign for someone who, who is on the spectrum, who is autistic. But in this case, what, what separates the two is like, I greatly doubt that an autistic person is going to hurt animals to the degree that this individual hurt, that Israel hurt the animals. So no, I mean, make sure that you get a little more information before you start calling mental health units out on people. Because you, they're being antisocial, they might have some sort of, of level of autism. But for the most part, in this situation, this guy actively, openly hurt animals with no remorse and actually got enjoyment from it. I'm pretty sure, I'm not even going to go out, go out on a limb here, that he probably had received and, and got some sort of pleasurable gratification from it as well. I'm pretty sure I'm not out of line. I'm not talking wild on the yard. To assume that he had he was pleasure he had some sort of pleasure and he got off on this shit. Again, if I'm all, if I'm wrong about this, please correct me and I will be more than happy to uh, to fix what I said. Graveyard Grumbler Podcast at mail.com or Graveyard Grumbler at mail.com. Graveyard Grumbler Podcast on Instagram. I don't have Podbean anymore, so those are the only two places you can get me at. In addition, Key's mother began to notice saying, quote, some troubling signs, end quote. In key, she noticed keys. Uh, she began to notice uh, troubling signs in keys during this period when he began turning into. <laughs> when he started, <laughs> in addition, Key's mother began to notice some troubling signs in keys during this period when he began tuning to, into various radio stations and different things. Look, I understand that some people want to wholeheartedly, without a reasonable doubt, blame music, video games, and TV on the 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 shaping and cause for sociopathic behaviors serial killer intentions but it's not okay it starts from the womb it literally starts from the second that 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 in late in late stage uh uh, uh pregnancy in like the third trimester when the child can start hearing on his own or on their own. In this case, we're talking about him. It starts with how they're raised, 
it's it starts with what they're told ever since they were there before they're even old enough to discover these this uh this uh horrible music horrible shows on tv porn this is all bred and indoctrinated and pounded into these individuals heads at an early age it has nothing to do with video games it has nothing to do with music and the, the science proves it if you don't believe me look it up it it literally starts from an early age abuse bullying indoctrination just just being fed hate not correcting behaviors like hurting animals hurting siblings none of that none of that prevents or helps the cause to the path of being a sociopathic killer. It just doesn't. Let's continue. By his teenage years, Keyes had become a skilled and proficient carpenter, building his first wooden cabin for his family at age 16. He also began working for a Colville contractor from 1995 to 1997. Around this time, Keyes kept a journal from early childhood littered with Bible scriptures documenting daily sins for which he felt shame, such as lusting after his girlfriend. I don't, religion, such hardcore religion, I'll never understand. Never. I'll never understand it. Soon thereafter, the family relocated to to Smyrna, Maine, where they collected sap for maple syrup production in a mostly Amish community. Another, Another move. Another huge move. Due to their mother's religious zealousness, the Keys children were forced to secretly flee their parents to watch movies with friends and were forbidden. Due to their mother's religious zealousness, the Keys children were forced to secretly flee their parents to watch movies with friends and were forbidden to learn musical musical instruments as they were, quote, against God. Sometime during this period, Keys renounced his former Christian faith. Look, I'm not, I wasn't born when Jesus was born. A lot of us weren't. But as far as I can remember, and as far as history has proved to me, Music and instruments have been a thing of humans, even since back in the good old days when people were pounding rocks and sticks together, grunting, bars. You know what I mean? Ever since, ever since the, the, the Jurassic times, the Paleolithic times, and Neanderthals and Cro-Magnons, all of this banging, banging, banging bones against the rocks and the trees, they're just... bars you know what i mean how is learning an instrument against god i'm pretty sure god marched down the streets of jerusalem with a band behind him singing you know what i mean that doesn't make any sense to me again what people take out of religion is not exactly what the religion is saying to do unless you are an isolated bigoted racist covenant breeding hate and mis- and misinformation. On one occasion, Keyes declared his atheism to his parents, both of whom had previously... Whoa. On one occasion, Keyes declared his atheism to his parents, both of, whom he, both of whom he had previously made tireless and constant efforts to please after an intense argument. There's only so much someone can hate. I mean, someone can take. After a while, the, the, the kettle's going to blow, the powder keg's going to explode, Something is going to pour out of the pot and he's just going to snap. He's going to get that little twitch in his eye and he's going to rebel and rage against the very machine that that showed him and taught him and put all of this ideological bullshit into his head. 
And in this case, he it was his parents and his relig- their religious tyranny. He just said, look, I don't believe in God anymore. I'm not Christian. So boom, I'm atheist. That's a bad sign for atheists though. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> this led his parents to evict their eldest son from the residence, shunning him for apparent blasphemy. They then instructed his younger siblings who looked, who looked up to Keys to never have contact with him again. Keys then developed an inordinate interest in Satanism with plans of committing a ritualistic murder. So he went, I mean, that's not uncommon. You go from one extreme to the other extreme. Although if you look at the, the Satanist, the, the Satanic religion, it's not what people assume it is. Again, this, the most extremist of the religions always get the bad names. Look it up. I'm not bullshitting you. The Church of Satan isn't, it's not, pretty, it's not, it's not what you think it is. If you're, if you're curious, look it up, read about it. I might actually do a pod, uh, an episode on, on uh, the Satan, the, the Satanic Church. In the summer of 1997 or 1998, Keyes allegedly committed a sexual assault on a teenage girl who had been tubing with her friends down the Deschutes River in Maupin, Oregon. So we're already starting with sexual assault. He, he just couldn't wait. Now that he's no longer bounded by the constraints of his Christianity, he feels like, again, I'm assuming, I don't know for sure, that he can pretty much do and, and give in to his lust and other sins that he's been avoiding since he, he was being indoctrinated with, with the extremism, extreme, extremism of religion. It's not okay. That's why when you don't have a balanced child extremes are are bound to happen if you're living an extreme lifestyle shit like this is going to happen it's just inevitable you're you're breeding fueling feeding a sociopath look it up although this was not his first sexual assault keys admitted that he stalked her from a tree line before from a tree line before very violently sexually assaulting the girl whom he estimated to be between 14 and 18 years of age by knife point Originally planning to murder her as part of a satanic ritual, Keyes let her go in the river tube he had abducted her from. Come on, man. He knew what he was doing. He knew exactly what he was doing. He was originally planning to murder her as part of a satanic ritual. Come on. There's not, I mean, I, I, I just can't beat this down enough with a stick. The horse is already glue. There's no horse left because I'm beating the dead horse. Get up. Do something. Boom, boom. Get up. But he, he stalked her from the tree line before very violently sexually assaulting her between 14 and 18 years old. Come on. On July 9th, 1998, Keyes promptly relocated and soon enlisted in the United States Army in the state of New Jersey, where he served as a specialist in Alpha Company, 1st Battalion, 5th Infantry Regiment. He passed a rigorous month-long preliminary course for the United States Army Rangers training. Now, for those of you unfamiliar with with military, when I was in high school, I was in ROTC. And there was nothing more that I wanted than to be an Army Ranger, 82nd Airborne Ranger, which shout out to my buddy Austin. He is actually an 82nd Airborne. He's an 82nd Airborne uh, uh, Infantry. He wasn't a Ranger, but he was an 82nd Airborne Infantry, which is something I desperately wanted to do. Side note, I couldn't pass the drug screen. I didn't get in the military, but that's neither here nor there. But when I was in high school, looking up how intense the Ranger training is and the Ranger tryouts, not even the actual training, but just the tryout itself, it's just a step under becoming a Navy SEAL. It's that, it is that tough. It is that exhaustive. It is, it is that insane. 
And I was up for it. Now, for someone is a special individual, and I'm not going to take this away from this guy. I'm not. I just, I just can't do that. For him to pass a, the, the month-long preliminary course for the United States Rangers training, that takes a special individual. I'm not going to lie. It takes a very dedicated, hardcore individual to do so. Just, I mean, if you're curious, look up Ranger, uh, Ranger preliminaries, Ranger training preliminary, or Ranger... Army Ranger preliminary training just to, just to be accepted into Ranger school. Check it out and check out what they have to do. It's insane. Let's continue. He was, stationed at Fort he was stationed at Fort Lewis, Fort Hood, and spent much time abroad while stationed in Sinai, Egypt. While stationed in Sinai, Egypt. Here, he's befri befriended several soldiers, informing one of them that he would like to kill. <laughs> what? God damn. Hold on. Let me read this section all over. He was stationed at Fort Lewis, Fort Hood, and spent much time abroad while stationed in Sinai, Egypt. Here, Keyes befriended several soldiers, informing one of them that he would like to kill him upon angering Keyes. Keyes said, look, man, you pissed me off and I want to end you. I want to kill you because you pissed me off. God damn, calm down. Again, sociopathic behavior. You're unable to regulate and express your emotions. Not a good sign. Right then and there, whoever he threatened, they, the key should have been referred to the military mental health specialist, the psychiatrist, psychologist, whoever, whoever treats that. He should have been referred to them ASAP Rockies immediately. While at Fort Lewis, he served on a motor team in the 1st Battalion, 5th Infantry, 25th Infantry Division. Former Army friends of Keyes have noted his quiet demeanor and habit of keeping to himself. Antisocial behavior, clear classic signs. On weekends, he was reported to drink heavily, consuming entire bottles of his favorite drink, wild turkey bourbon. Keyes was also a fan of the hip-hop duo Insane Count Plot. <laughs> Fuck that all up. Keyes was also a fan of the hip-hop duo Insane Clown Posse and displayed posters of the musical act in the barracks. Again, Music has nothing to do with an already sociopathic individual. In substance abuse, antisocial behavior, harming animals, these are all clear-cut signs and symptoms of a sociopath. Without a doubt, clear-cut signs. The music, whoever he listens to is irrelevant. I've been listening to Insane Clown Posse ever since I was a junior in high school. I've never once, not never, not never once went out and decided that it was okay to kill people, ever. In February 2001, Keyes was arrested for driving under the influence in Thurston County. Pursuant to a plea agreement, he was fined $350. Keyes was awarded an Army Achievement Medal for his mer meritorious service as a gunner and assistant gunner from December 1998 to July 2001. Keyes was then honorably discharged and he relocated to Nia Bay, Washington. Honorably discharged, and all he did was pay $350 for a DUI back in 2001. Crazy. Now a DUI costs you several thousands of dollars now. Keyes lived in the Macaw Reservation community of Nia Bay on the Olympic Peninsula, which is in Alaska. In 2007, Keyes started a construction business in Alaska called Keyes Construction while working as a handyman, contractor, and construction worker. Hey, hats off. I shouldn't be giving kudos, but entrepreneur, handle your business, my boy. 
So let's get into the murders. Ultimately, this podcast, this episode is about serial killers and their murders. Again, listener discretion is advised if you get squirmy and you don't like hearing about people get murdered. There's one, this is one, one particular murder that he committed, which made him infamous. The whole reason why his name even popped up as I was looking at, looking at most brutal serial killers in the United States. Keys targeted random people all across the United States to avoid detection with months of planning before he committed a particular crime. He specifically went for campgrounds and isolated locations. Of course, you're not going to find them. They just got lost and the elements took care of them. Makes sense. He claimed to only use guns when he had to and preferred strangulation. This was due to the pleasure he derived from witnessing victims lose consciousness in the struggle. Now, didn't I tell you earlier? Didn't I say earlier that I guarantee you I could, I'm going to bank on it. I'm going to go out. I'm not going out on a limb when I said he probably got off in hurting the animals. Here is the the clear cut proof that he gets off hurting things, hurting people, creatures, just hurting them. He enjoyed strangling, strangling them because of the pleasure he derived from witnessing victims lose consciousness in the struggle. Ah, damn. Boy, I tell you. He claimed to not kill children. He claimed to not kill children or parents of children primarily because of his daughter, whom he feared finding out about him and his crimes. However, police and FBI investigators were skeptical, skeptical of this claim and suspected keys of killing several teens or children. There is no moral or no ethical ground for sociopathic serial killers. They target one individual, or not individual, but they, they have a certain target. They have a certain MO. They have a certain, a certain victim that they, that they want to hunt. A lot of times, most of the times, sociopaths don't even have a certain criteria. They don't have a preference. They just kill because they enjoy the gratification and the satisfaction they get from killing somebody, from hurting someone. So this guy talking about, I don't kill children's or parents of kids. You're a fucking liar. Shut up. You're a liar. You target anyone and everyone because you, you got off on it. Shut up. He is believed to have committed his first murders as a teenager between 1996 and 1998 in and around Colville. Two teen girls were killed in two separate incidents along with one of the girl's mother. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was him. He lived in Colville around that time. So yeah, it was probably him. He did, not, he did not admit to any murders during his three years in the United States Army, but did admit to twice attempting rapes of women, once when stationed in Egypt and another time on leave in Israel. He is believed to have resumed his killing spree in 2001 following his discharge. Well, he had the common fucking courtesy not to kill anyone while he was serving in the United States Army, but attempted to rape two women. Once while stationed in Egypt and the other time when he was on leave in Israel. Man, it sucks that women are so demonized for speaking up against being raped because they probably would have been able to catch him and, and prevent him from going on his on his this serial killer spree. We also need to change the habit of not believing women when they re- when they say that they were raped. Okay, it, there's a lot of false claims. I understand that, but that's still not as much as the actual truth of how many women are raped and are afraid to come forward for being made fun of, ridiculed, scrutinized outcasted and made to feel like they initiated, wanted it and victim blamed. We need to stop that shit. Keys admitted to investigators that he killed four people in Washington state and claims that he was a subject of an active investigation by the state police and the federal Bureau of investigation. 
He did not have a felony criminal record in Washington, although he had been stopped on two occasions for minor driving-related offenses. Authorities were reviewing unsolved murders and missing persons cases to determine which, if any, may be linked to Keys. Well, this guy did it on the sly. He, he really did do everything he, in his power not to get caught. Keys is a suspect in a series of 2007 crimes by the Boca Killer near Boca Raton, Florida. In three cases, a mother and child were kidnapped from a shopping mall. In two of the cases, the mother and child were shot and killed and their bodies abandoned in their vehicles. In the third case, the mother and child were released unharmed after several hours. Though the kidnapper wore a mask and sunglasses, the, the surviving victim caught glimpses of his face and described him as a tall, athletically built man with long hair and generally matching Key's description. Right on. Still not enough to catch this motherfucker, but they did it. They, they identified him. They put a face to the, to the name, at least. Key's confit. Keyes confessed to at least one murder in New York State in late 2012. Authorities had not determined the identity, age, or sex of the victim or when and where the murder may have occurred, but regarded the confession as credible. Of course, you have somebody who's, who's already been guilty of killing other people, have been in those areas. Of course, you're going you're gonna to deem it credible. There's no, there's no way around it. And I'm, again, I'm going to bet the ranch on it if I owned one that he probably killed these motherfuckers. Keyes had ties to New York. He owned 10 acres and a... God damn. He's had ties to New York. He owned 10 acres and a dilapidated cabin in the town of Constable. He also confessed to committing bank robberies in New York and Texas. The FBI later confirmed that Keyes robbed the community bank branch in Tupper Lake, New York in April 2009. He also told authorities that he burglarized a Texas home and set it on fire. Look, man, you set my house on fire. I worked too goddamn hard to get the house that I have. You set my house on fire. I will bring the wrath of the sky fairy down on you, boy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now that's just disrespectful. Flat out disrespectful to set someone's house ablaze after you robbed them. That, that, that's, that's beyond low. That's low, low. Authorities claim Keys may have murdered a woman believed to be Deborah Feldman in April, 2000, in, two, April 2009 in New Jersey and buried her near Tupper Lake, New York. He also admitted to murdering Bill and Lorraine Courier of Essex, Vermont. Keys broke into the Courier, the Courier home on the night of June 8, 2011 and tied him up before driving them to an abandoned farmhouse where he shot Bill before sexually assaulting and strangling Lorraine. Their bodies have never been found. God damn. Two years prior, Keys hit a murder kit, which he later used near the Courier home. After the murders, he moved most of the contents to a new hiding place in Parrishville, New York, where they remained until after his arrest. Key's last confirmed victim was 18-year-old Samantha Koenig, a coffee booth employee in Anchorage, in Anchorage, Alaska. Now, this right here, listener discretion is advised. This is one of the things, this is the main reason why it caught my attention, just the gruesomeness of what he did was beyond what I've read here lately. So, listener discretion is advised. On February 1st, 2012, he kidnapped Koenig from the drive through coffee shop where she'd worked. That night, just before 8 p.m., he walked up to the window, pointed a revolver at her, told her it was a robbery, and ordered her to turn off the lights. The moment she did, according to the New York Post, he bound her hands, jumped through the window, stuffed a handful of napkins in her mouth, and forced her out of the coffee stand and into his pickup truck. Then he drove her to his house while telling her that he only wanted to hold her for ransom. Now, there is video surveillance of her being robbed and abducted. They do not have his full body on, on film but they do have video of her being abducted and robbed. 
I have yet to see that video because I didn't want to push play on it, but there is video if you're, if you're interested and curious to know about it. But it was a lie. As soon as Keys took Konex's debit card and cell phone, he didn't need her alive anymore. Around 2 a.m., he finally took her from his truck and moved her to his tool shed where he tied her up. Oh, my gosh. Where he finally, around 2 a.m., he finally took her from his truck and moved her to his tool shed where he tied her up by the neck. Then Keys went inside to check on his daughter and girlfriend to make sure they were asleep. He poured himself a glass of wine and returned to the shed. This dude abducted this woman, this girl, took her to his house where his daughter and his girlfriend were asleep just feet away from the tool shed. Mind you, just feet away. The same place that they were at. There, jeez, man. There, Key sat drinking. There, Key sat drinking the wine while he told Kenig how he would rape her before strangling her to death while the rope he'd already tied with the rope he had already tied around her neck. And that's exactly what he did. He left Koenig's body in the shed, went back into his house, and packed his bags and one for his daughter. And at five, and at 5 a.m. sharp, he called a cab to the airport to fly to New Orleans for a two-week Caribbean cruise that he planned with his family. He left Koenig's body in the shed, went back into his house, and packed his bags, and one for his daughter. Mind you, one for his daughter, knowing he just killed a girl. And went on vacation for two goddamn weeks with his family, knowing that there was a body decomposing in his tool shed. Again, I'm going to beat the horse one more time. Sociopath show no remorse, no empathy, no sympathy. They can fake the funk but they can't truly be remorseful or be empathetic or sympathetic. They just can't. And again, this case right here, this case right here though, he raped and murdered this young lady without any guilt or remorse, went into his house and packed a bag of vacation back for him and his daughter and then went on a two-week Caribbean vacation with the rest of his family. Samantha Koenig wasn't reported missing until the next day, hours after she was already dead. She wasn't reported until the next day, hours after she was already dead. Despite this delay, the FBI immediately descended on Anchorage, hoping to find the missing girl, but their efforts were in vain and leads were scarce at best. Israel Keyes, who disguised himself for the coffee stand security camera, didn't even appear on their radar. But when Keyes returned from his vacation on February 17th, He decided to take Samantha Koenig's ransom photo and promise her parents that she would be unharmed if they gave him money. So, listen to what that said. When Keyes returned from his vacation on February 17th, he decided to take Samantha Koenig's ransom photo and promise her parents that she she would be unharmed if they gave him money. This was after he already murdered her, you guys. This was after he already raped her and killed her. He decided to take Samantha Koenig's ransom photo and promise her parents that she would be unharmed. Even though she was already dead. Unharmed if they gave him money. Oh my gosh. I'm going to save my opinion for the final rap. That day... That day, according to Latin Times, he sewed Samantha Koenig's eyelids open with fishing line, 
braided her hair and applied makeup to her face. Then he propped her body against a wall, held out a current issue of the Alaska Daily News and take a picture. This was the proof of life photo that he intended to use to prove she was unharmed. You got, dude, dude, yo, she was dead. She was dead already. This sick motherfucker sewed her eyelids open, braided her hair, and even went as far as putting her, putting makeup on her face. Propped her up against the wall, held out a current issue of the Alaska Daily News, and then took the picture. Sending it to her family, showing that this was proof of life, even though she was already dead. Look, you guys. I know a lot of you guys have curious brains like I do. And if you're curious on what the photo looks like, just Google it. Samantha Koenig's proof of life photo. J- just, just look it up. If, if you're curious. Again, viewer discretion is advised. I am not telling you to go do it. I am not saying, hey, I'm not advocating. Go check out this photo. But if you're curious on looking it up, just Google Samantha Koenig's uh, proof of life photo. It's creepy. It's eerie. Knowing now what I know, I, when, I, when I first looked up this case, I looked up that photo and I didn't realize what it was until after I read the entire uh, story that was, that, I, that was given me regarding Israel Keys. I'm not going to lie. After I, look, after I read what, what happened and wh- what was explained to me and what he did, I, I went back and looked at the photo and it just got creepier and eerier and it just, it, it, was, it was sickening. It, it, just, knowing, just knowing the fact that this individual was sick enough to do this shit, it's, it blows my mind. Again, if you, I'm not, I, that's why I said listener discretion, viewer discretion is advised. If you look it up, it's creepy. It, it's, it's a fucking creepy picture. Then on February 24th, he texted her boyfriend from her phone and told him to look for a package in a local park. There, Anchorage police found the photo and a note demanding that $30,000 be deposited into Koenig's bank account. Her parents, gladly pla- her parents gladly paid. Of course they gladly paid. You're damn right. Having been being duped and being deceived, thinking that your daughter is still alive, from this, this maniacal, sick motherfucker? Yeah, I would have paid too. But again, sociopaths have no empathy. They have no remorse. There's no limits to what they will do to get what they want and for whatever, whatever pleasure they're looking for. There's no limit. Samantha would never be returned to them. As reported by Alaska Public Radio, Keys dismembered her body and disposed of the remains in a frozen frozen lake just outside of Palmer, Alaska, to the north. He received the the $30,000, dismembered Samantha, dumped her in a lake just just in Palmer, Alaska, just the north of him, after giving giving her her parents false hope. I'm telling you. This is what I should have. I should have put this behind the paywall. I should have put put this on the Patreon. These are the kind of episodes that I do that that get stuck on the Patreon because they're just they're they're way too much. I I should have done this on the Patreon. If, from here on out, if you're interested in the Patreon, five dollars, no matter what, it's never going to change. That's going to be one flat fee, and I and I I put episodes like this on there. Keyes is a suspect in the murder of Jimmy Tid- Tidwell, an electrician who disappeared near Longview, Texas on February 15, 2012. During a bank robbery in Azeal, Texas on February 16, 2012, about 170 miles from Longview, the culprit believed to be Keyes wore a white hard hat similar to Tidwell's. 
An FBI report stated that Keyes burglarized 20 to 30 homes across the U.S. and robbed several banks between 2001 and 2012. He may be linked to as many as 11 deaths in the United States and potentially even more victims outside the country. God damn. Keyes planned, Keyes planned murders long ahead of time. Well, it's my bad. Keyes planned murders long ahead of time and took extraordinary action to avoid detection. Unlike most serial killers, he did not have a victim pro- profile say, saying he chose a victim at random. He usually killed far from, from his home. Excuse me. He usually killed far from home and never in the same area twice. On his murder trips, he kept his mobile phone turned off and paid for items with cash. He had no connection to any of his known victims. For the courier murders, Keyes flew to Chicago where he rented a car to drive 1,000 miles to Vermont. He then used a kill kit he had hidden two years, two years earlier to perform the murders. Having read Mindhunter inside the FBI's elite serial crime unit from his youth and continuing to meticulously study serial killers, Keyes idolized Ted Bundy and felt that he shared many similarities with him. Both were methodical and felt as though they possessed, they possessed their victim despite their difference in victim choice and modus operandi. Jesus Christmas, trees in June. He even went as far as to imitate Bundy's court escape before being seized by guards immediately. He's also admired and studied other serial killers, but actively shunned media attention for his crimes as he was fearful for his family and being labeled a copycat for his admiration of Bundy and other murderers. This guy was so selfish, so egotistical that he didn't want, to, he didn't want any media attention because he didn't want to be labeled as a copycat, even though he was infatuated and copycat some of Ted Bundy's murders and the way he did shit. Serial killers aren't the brightest people in the shed, but at the same time, they really are. They really are the brightest bulb in the box. But at the same time, they're not. Keyes also called Dennis Radar a wimp for apologizing in court and showing remorse for his crimes. In addition to expressing admiration for serial killers that haven't been caught. Now listen to what he said. Keyes also called Dennis Radar a wimp for apologizing in court and showing remorse for his crimes. In addition, Keyes was expressing admiration for serial killers that, quote, haven't been caught. Listen, man, listen, yo, when I'm telling you that that sociopaths show no remorse, no sympathy, and so no empathy, they clearly don't. When someone's crying in front of them and they show no, no empathy or no sympathy, yo, there's something wrong. When they when someone gets hurt and they don't they they don't genuinely ask, hey, are you okay? There's something wrong. This is, this is textbook stuff. Look it up. Brian, again, correct me if I'm wrong, my guy. Correct me if I'm wrong. When asked in an interview about Robert Hansen, Keyes replied enthusiastically, stating, saying, quote, yeah, I know all about him, before continuing. I probably know every single serial killer that's ever been written about. It's kind of a hobby of mine, end quote. When FBI agents informed him of the Aurora th- Theater shooting, Keyes had also expressed mild interest in the mass murders perpetrator, James Holmes. Fuck that guy. So the investigation and, and arrest. Obviously, he's, he's, he's been arrested. If not, then I wouldn't have been able to, to, get, to go in depth with, with, the, with this episode. So let's get into that. After Koenig's murder, Keyes demanded ransom money and police were able to track withdrawals from the account as he moved throughout the southwestern U.S. During that time, the police controversially refused to release surveillance video of Koenig's abduction. It is, there is surveillance videos. Check it out if you're interested. Keyes was arrested by Texas Highway Patrol Corporal Brian Henry and Texas Ranger Stephen Rayburn in the parking lot of the Cotton Patch Cafe in Lufkin, Texas on the morning of March 13, 2012. Good, at least Texas, at least Texas law enforcement didn't fail people back then. Not like now. 
Investigators had circulated a lookout bulletin for the suspect's car, which had been used at ATMs to withdraw money from Koenig's account. Key's car matched this description. Lufkin Police Department patrolman Chris Nash had previously identified Key's rental car and spotted Key's in, in proximity. Keys was stopped after he drove slightly over the speed limit. His vehicle was searched after officers spotted cash stained with bright ink, indicating a dye pack from a bank robbery. Koenig's ATM card and cell phone were also discovered in Key's car. Good, right on. His, her cell phone and ATM were discovered in, in possession. Good, right fucking on. Good thing for being dumb. And then again, with the ink, you, you, uh, you try to rob a bank, they stick an ink pack in there, you open it up and it busts. And it fucks up all the money and they're able to detect it. Keys was subsequently extradited to Alaska where he confessed to the Koenig murder. He was represented by Alaska federal defender Rich Kurtner. Keys was indicted in the case and his trial was scheduled to begin on March 2013. While incarcerated, Keys spoke to investigators several times over a period of months. He cooperated to an extent, confessing to some of his crimes and stated a wish to be executed within a year. Key said he wanted to avoid publicity due to the negative attention his young daughter might face, but largely stopped cooperating after his identity was discussed in the media. On Wednesday, May 23, 2012, Keyes attempted to escape during a routine hearing. He used wood shavings from a pencil to pick his cuffs. What the fuck? Police used a taser to subdue him. How in the hell do you use wood shavings to, and, uh, from a pencil to pick his cuffs? I need to learn that trick. I mean, not, not that I'm getting arrested or anything, but that's a badass trick. I need to learn that trick. The only thing I can think of is that he shoved wood shavings deep inside of the uh, upside of the, the part where the where the little lever, not lever, but the part with the ridges goes in and, and clicks tight. You know, you can you can squeeze them for for adjustment. That's the only thing I could think of is that he stuck he shoved pencil shavings in there. I can't think of anything else. You know, I mean, think about it. So he shoves a bunch of pencil shavings. It He packs it down there so tight that it, it just ends up being flush and he's able to slide the cuffs out. Maybe that's how he did it. While being held in jail at the Anchorage Correctional Complex on suspicion of murder, Keyes managed to conceal a razor blade in his cell. He was not allowed razor blades being under security restrictions of using an electric razor under, under supervision. He died by suicide on December 2nd, 2012 via cutting his wrist and attempted strangulation. A suicide note found under his body consisted of an OD to murder, but offered no clues about other possible victims. In 2010, the FBI released the drawings of 11 skulls and, on, and one pentagram, which had been drawn in blood and found underneath Keyes' jail cell bed after his suicide. One of the drawings included the phrase, we are one, written at the bottom. The FBI believes the number of skulls correlates with what are believed to be the total number of victims. Man, makes sense, right? One big fuck you to the to law enforcement being able to kill himself. At least he's dead. Too bad the family were they didn't get the satisfaction of him being executed. Graveyard Grumbler's final wrap. Let's go ahead and wrap this episode up. Like I said, it was a it was a pretty intense episode. Samantha Koenig's body wouldn't be discovered until April 2nd, a few days after Keyes confessed to his crimes, according to Oxygen. That's when he also explained how he staged a ransom photo by sewing Samantha Koenig's eyelids open. Unfortunately, Koenig's family would never get justice for her murder. Despite the horrific nature of his crimes, the details of which are still being uncovered to this day, authorities believe that there were no way Samantha Coney could have been spared her fate. No way. That's absolutely not. Special Agent Godin told 48 Hours that he was a man who had nothing significant in his criminal history and indeed nothing that would suggest that what was not, nothing that would suggest what was to come. He said, saying, quote, 
I believe he had a DUI, but that was it. She told 48 Hours, no crimes of violence in his history, no sex offense in his history, nothing like that. He's a 34-year-old man from Alaska who has a construction business, a small kind of quiet life, end quote. He's also admitted traveling to various locations to lease supplies he planned to use in a future crime. He's buried caches throughout the United States, the FBI said. Authorities have already recovered two caches, one in Alaska and one in New York, that contained money, weapons, and items for disposing of bodies. Keys indicated that there were other supply boxes buried across the country. Keys indicated that there were other supply boxes buried around the country. So inside of that, and he, what, what, what his kill kit was, what, what he had buried is that he would bury it months. I mean, months before, before he would actually go and commit the murder. Now, that kind of patience and that kind of, of meticulous planning is insane. And inside of these kill kits, which were a Home Depot bucket, literally a Home Depot bucket, filled with multiple, with different kinds of guns, some with silencers, some was not, cutting tools and some chemicals to clean up after himself. He literally buried these boxes across the, across the country just so he can go back to that area, dig them up, and use them for his next victim. Now, I, 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 you guys know that I kind of rate serial killers on a list of whatever. And this guy right here, just based off of his kill kits and his, his patience and planning ahead of time, not having any connection and just picking victims at random. This guy is by far probably the most intense, deranged serial killer that I've learned about lately. And now you guys know about him too. It's crazy that this guy did so much. Again, listener discretion was advised. I do, I, I, it's not that I apologize, but I hope no one was too offended by what I read about or what I, I shared on the episode. But if you are, again, this will probably be the last type of episode that I do. Outside of the Patreon after that, all episodes that are this graphic will be put on the, on the Patreon. So if you're interested, go to my Patreon, Graveyard Grumbler Patreon, and it'll be in the show notes. And uh, subscribe, $5 for everyone. So we're going to go ahead and wrap up the episode. Uh, announcements, other than I did delay on the podcast, I did, I am working on a book. I'm narrating a book, so that's taking up a lot of my time. Uh, I was just given my my deadline, and my deadline is is far and gives me plenty of time to uh, record my podcast on the Patreon. So I will be recording more episodes, or I will consistently post episodes again, unless my deadline for the book changes. And then, of course, I'm going to have to focus on, on, on finish the narration of the book that I'm working on. Unfortunately, I can't share any information about that until it's complete, and I give the okay to share any information on that. Other than that, Join the Patreon, $5, one tier, no matter what. You get all kinds of episodes. Once I get my, my merchandise, you'll have forever discounts on that as well. Uh, let me see here. Other than that, nothing else. Stay tuned for next week's episode. I'm probably going to try to go into something haunting and creeping if I can get if I can steer my way around it. Just for right now, lately, I've been super obsessed with serial killers and cold case, and it's been insane how much my head has been buried inside of it. But I appreciate each and every one of you. Thank you so much for tuning in week after week. It means so much to me. Thank you for the support. Please share the podcast with everyone you know. If you have time, go to Apple Podcasts, leave me a review and rate my show. The feedback really helps me out to dictate change and, and try to work and make my, my podcast pleasing to, you, to your ears. I would greatly appreciate that. Again, share, share, share my podcast. I would appreciate it so much. Thank you for tuning in. And as always, good morning, good day, good night, goodbye. This is the end, this is the end, this is the end. Beautiful friend, 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 friend. Graveyard Grumbler Graveyard Podcast. Grumbler.